Welcome to this APTA podcast. Defining Moments spotlights a particular moment, incident, or case that either led the writer to a career in physical therapy or confirmed why he or she chose to become a physical therapist or physical therapist assistant. This is the account, in her own words and voice, of Barbara Kutch, PT-DPT. She's a physical therapist in Plainsboro, New Jersey, a certified strength and conditioning coach, a USA weightlifting level one coach, and she practices at Penn Medicine Princeton Health. As a teachable 13-year-old softball player, I paid close attention to a coach explaining how moving a light weight in certain directions could help with throwing. That day, I learned the basics of internal rotation, external rotation, and the ill-advised empty can scaption. Although not by those terms, I only knew these as ways to improve my throw. A few years later, a softball injury put me in physical therapy, and a career path was discovered. Now, at 37 years old, I find myself throwing harder and farther than I did as a 20-year-old college athlete. My initial thought to this is yes. Then I pause, and my adult brain says dope. The development of my own throw has reiterated many clinical concepts and approaches I use with patients. Throwing also inspires my physical therapy professional development goals. At the same time I was introduced by the coach to basic rotator cuff strengthening, I also was introduced to what at the time were considered the best throwing drills. Those with a baseball or softball background know of the kneeling to half kneeling partial throw drills. The series starts with the athlete kneeling with their throwing arm at 90 degrees of flexion and resting on their glove. From there, the athlete does wrist snaps in a basic dart throw. This progresses to half kneeling where the athlete takes the throwing arm back into the equivalent of the late cocking phase and throws. From these short throws, magic was meant to occur. It was thought that the athlete's throw would improve. For years, I was stuck there. I could wrist snap and throw from my knee better than anyone. I did it year round, in the snow, in the heat, and in my parents' basement. However, my throw didn't improve. In fact, at times, it regressed. Years later in PT school, I learned the concepts of practice conditions in motor learning. Parts of the movement can be practiced, but they must be practiced within the whole movement. As an obsessive kneeling throw teenager, I had missed this point. Now as a PT, I am reminded of this whenever I break down gait training with a patient. I can teach a patient a terminal knee extension for the stance phase of walking several different ways, such as with bands, short arc quads, and retroambulation. Yet, if I don't practice this with the patient in the context of walking as a whole, the skill of terminal knee extension may not carry over to their functional need to walk. Long after my competitive softball career was over and I was in my physical therapy career, I sought every bit of research and all the continued education classes I could find on throwing. During these searches, I learned the importance of the kinematic sequence. For years, I had focused on isolated rotator cuff strengthening and component throwing drills. With my cell phone propped up on the ground and recording my throw, I chucked a series of baseballs and softballs into a fence. Giddily, I watched the phone, expecting to see perfect sequencing from years of strengthening and drills. Oh, it was ugly. It was choppy, quirky, and not in that ideal sequence. It was as inefficient as when a patient tries to complete a sit-to-stand by scooting forward in their chair, placing their trunk in the lumbar extension, and driving their pelvis forward. We all know how that ends. The patient either doesn't attain upright stance, or they do in such a disorganized way, we are leaping in different directions in a mad panic of guarding. My throw was exactly that, an asynchronous mess that no amount of guarding could keep from failure. After throwing for close to three decades, I needed to rework the inefficient movement patterns that were ingrained in me. 
My lower half was involved, but not enough. From my phone video, I could see the limitation from my legs. I landed with a closed foot, flew open with my lead shoulder, and hip rotation showed up late to the party. Clinically, I knew I had the appropriate amount of hip rotation. What else would a physical therapist do during their lunch break but assess their own hip internal and external rotation in sitting supine prone and standing positions? I also knew that I could produce the correct movement pattern because that same sequence for throwing is used in swinging a bat. Annoyed, I wondered where my throwing could have gone askew beyond my obsessive practice of those counterproductive drills. Could it have been the history of right knee and ankle injuries? or the old back injury that limited lumbar extension during my high school years. This was starting to sound like a physical therapist evaluation. Whatever the cause, I began redeveloping movement patterns. The first time out on the field, working on my stride leg landing and the necessary hip rotation, I wiped out. I landed toward the target, pelvis rotated, decent separation at the trunk, and I lost my balance. I stumbled to my left, and caught myself before I fully met the grass. I quickly stood upright, looked around to make sure no one was watching. It reminds me of the time I spend teaching patients the intricacies of a sit-to-stand. Often patients who have experienced a back or low body orthopedic injury have lost their ability to complete a hip hinge pattern. Clinically, I know the patient is able to appropriately complete hip flexion with neutral spine. Inevitably, the first time I have them incorporate this into a sit-to-stand, they plop. They lose it and descend uncontrolled into the chair. An ineffective movement pattern is an inefficient movement pattern. An ineffective movement pattern is an ineffective movement pattern. One of the hardest components of retraining a movement is developing the awareness of the movement. Our patients often will complete an activity, stop, and look at us with the question of, did I do that right? Novel movements are unfamiliar territory for the body. Early on, new movements require extrinsic feedback. As a clinician, I see this with patients who recently had surgery. People with total knee replacements may need verbal and visual cues to develop step length. A person post-rotator cuff surgery also may need verbal and visual cues for posture. These are extrinsic cues we provide daily. It turns out I am no different. In trying to improve my throwing, I suddenly found myself needing extrinsic cues to develop a new movement with throwing. To attain this, I resorted to video feedback, thanks to my phone. After all, it's 2022, and if it's not recorded on your phone, it didn't happen. Over time, I worked to gain intrinsic feedback. Much like my patients, I needed to learn in space and real time where my body was moving. My treatment plan, has included several different constraints with several different drills. Each one was meant to achieve a component of my goal pattern. Slowly, I have been making progress. Steadily, I have put the pieces back together. My progress is visually assessed as I re-record my throwing every couple of weeks, progress notes, so to speak. My mechanics are not perfect, but at 37, I believe they're the best they've ever been. I do not have a perfect long-term goal, merely a perpetual goal to be better each year. Professionally, I try to soak up as much throwing knowledge as possible. I will pick the brain of any physical therapist, coach, physician, or athlete about throwing. I have a bucket list of continuing education courses. Since my learning experience at age 13, throwing and professional development will forever be linked. The defining moment that introduced me to physical therapy has come full circle, as a physical therapy has allowed me to optimize my ability in a sport I love.
You can find more APTA podcasts like this one on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, or by visiting apta.org slash podcasts. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.